What's up, it's John Savage. Uh, there's a million things we all want to do, but how to do them all. So I'm going to try help unpack all those things, podcasting, AI, and tech, so that you don't have to worry about the how. Welcome to the Wasteland episodes. Why the Wasteland episodes? Because I actually started a podcast in 2016 called The Digital Caveman. And it was all about like uh, interviewing the smartest minds that were trying to navigate the digital world. And if um, I spoke to some amazing people from all around the world, there are about 10 episodes. And I'm just going to dump them all here uh, from 2016. I don't know if I said that or not. Um, I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, they're kind of out of date at this moment. So one thing it might inspire you to, it might just give you context of what's happened in the last few years. And three, you can hear some of the brightest minds in the digital space speaking sometimes way ahead of their time, sometimes during their time. <laughs> All right. And then um, here's 10 episodes that I'm just dropping. And then after that, we'll go to the uh, the next stuff. All right. The world of advertising, entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation are in a new era of transformation. It's tough out there and there are no rules. That's why we all need to group together and help each other out of the darkness into the light. We are all digital cavemen. This is the Digital Caveman Podcast, brought to you by Thread. It's John Savage. This is the Digital Caveman Podcast. I got, well done, me. In the studio, I got uh, Kelly Putter from OFYT. Welcome. Thank you very much, John. Tell us a little bit about what you do there. I'm Executive Creative Director of OFYT Cape Town, um, and we're an agency that is now nine months old. There was the old OFYT. So it's the YFYT then? Yes, well, um, <laughs> you know, my older partners, they don't yet um, call John T and myself young, but uh, we are the younger of the six partners, John T, Fisher and myself. Hmm. Yeah, And the other uh, four partners are Gary Lai, John Schubert's, Greg Burke and, and Paul Newman. For such a new agency, you've got a lot of big clients. Mm. Tell us a bit about the, what's the agency ethic? Well, basically where we started, uh, just a quick history, is um, John T. Fisher and, and myself had an agency called Bletchley Park. And we, um, you know, our clients um, include... Um, Jack Daniels, Citadel, Hennessy, and some of the RGBC brands right. in terms of champagnes, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we were an agency uh, with a, a large PR contingent as well as um, a creative studio and a, a little digital um, department. Hmm. We basically filled the holes that OFYT didn't have the old OFYT. So the, what the merger did is it, it enabled John T and I to learn from wise old heads and it enabled the wise old heads to have a fresh perspective on a very, very fast-moving modern and contemporary industry. Mm. Mm. Well, let's get into that. What is your role in all of this? Well, being the, um, the creative director is obviously to, make, to um, keep the creative um, standard high. And, um, you know, that's been my role through the merger. Obviously, mergers, you kind of have to bed down a lot of things, um, ethos and culture being the most important. So we've got a fantastic ethos and a great culture. And I think um, that's been one of the things that I've been concentrating on. And the work is definitely starting to lift because without that, you could try as hard as you might. You're not going to get, you know, the beautiful, passionate human ideas. Yeah. Cool. So now what I'm doing is I'm just doing, um, I'm kind of mentoring and trying to do the best work or 
that we, that we can possibly do, and we're doing it. Yeah. So, what have you noticed about? I mean, obviously, we're all in this uh, whirlwind of fast moving. And it's full of horrible buzzwords that mostly make no sense or are redundant already. And interestingly, before we started recording, you were talking about the sort of importance still of USSD, which is sort of in some ways considered older technology, but still completely relevant and able to be used together with um, with social media. And so, so where's your head at with that? Well, it, it starts off with our agency proposition actually and I know this is going to sound like a plug but, <laughs> uh, but basically what it is is old friends young talent is all about the symbiotic relationship that extremely experienced people can give underprivileged people or people who would otherwise battle to get into the industry a chance and the knowledge to be able to grow into the creatives and the suits and the strategists they want to be um, hmm, and that's, so that's interesting. Yeah, and and basically, so in answering the USSD thing, is you know for the first time, you know, in my career, and I know I know it's my agency, but for the first time in my career, we've, I've got a purpose <laughs> and a human purpose. And so when when you surround yourself with these youngsters who come from all walks of life, all walks of life on from any South African street. You, you're able to see clearly how they use platforms and how they communicate. And, you know, it is going to sound a bit cliched, but um, the USSD platform, it's not so much about um, necessarily how to use it. It's about um, what human truth or what kind of insight you have into that market and how they use the USSD platform around that. You mean like the analytics data that you gather from it or are you talking about something a bit more? Well, you know, we've actually been working on quite a few um, USSD campaigns um, and it fascinates me how the industry as a whole pushes really hard on the latest technology and what's going to happen next. Where I'm starting to find a lot of joy and I'm fascinated by rudimental technology but we haven't spent enough time cracking the strategy and the human truth first to figure out how best to use that technology. So USSD is fascinating because the one thing a lot of affluent people with a lot of data to use on internet and you know what they don't know is that a USSD code or a string, the markets that use it recognize it instantly. We see it on a billboard, we go, what's those funny hashtags, squiggles, this, that, and the other. But it's a language to our lower LSA. So if you're able to use it in a clear way, if you're able to create a platform that not only pushes a brand and grows the brand equity, but in many ways helps people when they need it the most, because it is instant access to the market, you can have a two-way conversation immediately, just like Twitter. I mean, you, yeah, you're kind of saying that it is Twitter. Mm. Like even, let's say tomorrow, all cell phones have free data. You're saying that there's a very large portion of the country that that USSD is their language, like we're using Twitter, so we recognize it. But yeah. So that it still has relevance beyond the technology. Exactly. I mean, obviously, if data was free, the, the migration to the more interactive platform, you know, you would get that that kind of movement um, or migration. But what's fascinating is I think that USSD, the USSD platform has been around for so long that it's become, it's not a social media tool. It's a way to manage your life and use brands when you need them, which is fascinating. And I don't, Twitter is that 
but also a whole bunch more. Obviously, it's more it's more about social media than it is about interacting with brands when you need them. To get out of the cave and move into the future, you need to be an innovator. You need to be a digital caveman. Okay, so then, uh, so where, where do you find things to be most interesting then? I mean, is there is it in um, combining uh, the USSD technology with social media, or are you like... Uh, I mean, yeah. h- how do you, how are you operating the digital world for for everybody else? What we also spoke about earlier was rhetoric, and, right. uh, and yeah. how and how and how a lot of um, agencies um, say the same thing in a variety of ways. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we working. Give us some of your favorite buzzwords. Um, sure, some of my favorite buzzwords. Um, I can tell you one of mine. What's social that? listening? Social listening, <laughs> which has nothing to do with social listening. All all it is is a giant um, a giant attempt at trying to find out who's bad mouthing you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's yeah. it's it's like it, was that in response to the Streisand effect? Do you I, know? What I that don't even is? know what that is. No. So the Streisand effect was when when Babs Barbara yeah in the internet's infancy when it was about five to ten years old. She was very wealthy lady, so she was buying up houses. <clears throat> And a lot of people started bad-mouthing that, and I don't know why they would. She can buy her houses. And she felt, uh, she felt a bit insecure, so she hired someone to go online and take it all off. And <laughs> don't do that. Um, and what happened wow. is that obviously uh, people just started posting more. It incensed a huge kind of swell of people finding these pictures and posting. In effect, the Streisand complex or the Streisand effect is the first viral viral thing so it's it's very interesting but anyway Mm. you know what's amazing is is when you when you're in the business for as long as we've been in there it kind of becomes second nature but i can remember being a junior and going you know there's far too many acronyms (laughs) and um and and also um kind of and i use it all the time um but we refer to consumer as consumer, and it's a very, very dangerous cycle that. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my career and what we do at the agency is we try to try find a mugshot of what we think consumer looks like, because often kind of the jargon and the rhetoric and everything that's used in the industry homogenizes everything, and you forget that there's people out there. Right. So, you know, we try give a name to the person we're speaking to on the brief because it allows us to get out of our marketing heads and into one in, into a space where we can fi- find human truths. Mm. And so our ethos um, is obviously at OFYT is to um, is old friends helping young talent into the industry. But it's also about young talent imparting knowledge of the the new generation to the old friends. So it's the symbiotic relationship. And in turn, what happens there is we're able to to look at a brand and find what we call beautiful problems, problems that exist in human truth, problems that exist uh, behind the brief and in business. So we're doing our best to kind of teach our youngsters and remind ourselves that our clients are humans, our consumers are humans, the platforms they use, they use them for a specific reason because they're humans. I think what's fascinating with the USSD platform, the old friends have had another look at the platform and use the young talent to find the right human insights to leverage it properly. I mean, sorry, no. what, what I find really uh, interesting about what you're saying is that 
just to go back to uh, the sort of nature of this podcast being about the the digital age of stuff. Um, there's such a strange disconnect, and and I hear it more and more. Like from the brand side, themselves are often uh, worried about this way, this int- this big social media, internet, online wave. They're worried about it. But what you're saying, and I like it, is that nothing has changed. It's the same philosophy. It's yeah. the same everything. It's just a, another medium. You're like there seems to be no difference. You, you know, you're adding your philosophy to everything, and I think that's that's quite an a nice way to look at it, that it, it is just a new media. Inherently, there, there are differences such as, to me, that is absurd as taking your television ad that is maybe completely correctly targeted at your audience or whatever you're doing and sticking it on YouTube. It, it has no place there. Well, exactly. So, so how do you adapt... How do you adapt your, your philosophy into uh, yeah. the real world? I think, you know, it's a four-hour conversation, that. And All right. How much tape <laughs> we got? <laughs> we got seven hundred hours. Perfect. That's perfect. So, so <laughs> we, we'll try and squeeze it in. So, basically, what it is, and um, I was really fortunate enough to grow up in the industry. Um, my father was in the industry, and um, my father's um, my father's friends were in the industry. So, I, I've literally been and and back in the day when you didn't have platforms and let's white label this and let's make sure we we carve up our communication and put it there and count how many shares or likes it's gotten before we got to technology and different types of platforms we had paper we had tv screens we had radio and we had outdoor and then and beautiful little things like ambient now, in order to stop someone in their tracks, you've got to speak to them like a human. Mm. And I'm very aware, and a lot of people say that, I'm very aware that everyone says consumers are human and they have human truths. Everyone says that. But I think I think where we need to look hard at it and where, uh, what we need to do is we need to realize what human truths we're dealing with. There's an array of them, and they shift from depending on what culture you are. Culture you are. I'm a white South African, and kind of a black South African would have different human truths. But depends on what you want from life, depends on your cultural background, depends on who you are, depends on the type of human truth you have. So... Brands have started to create technology to try and absorb or to try and capture consumer. And I think what we've forgotten is the correct human truth before looking at what platform to use. And so, you know, a beautiful thing happens when you take Twitter, USSD, Facebook, and you ask you ask consumer, you know, before you say what brand are you, you are, you ask them what's bothering them or what's making them happy. The minute you do that, you can see what's the best platform to use. So it's, it's such a strange thing. And the reason why I mentioned growing up in the industry is because I can remember the discussion around f- emotion and feeling. And I can remember as a little boy discussion around um, certain soundtracks and mnemonics and everything that engendered or fostered pride or sadness. Things like um, the VW song, I Remember the Days of My Lives. When I mention something like that, you feel it in your chest, not your head. So I think, I think what's vitally important is that I know things are getting faster 
And I know we're trying to get things, um, we're trying to get our channels and our communication onto as many platforms and channels as possible. But I think if we carefully look at the humans we're talking to, we might not need to spend as much money on as many channels as we are and get a, a, a better effect. This is Digital Caveman Podcast. This is Digital Caveman Podcast. Brought to you by, brought to you by Thread. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we also spoke about a bit earlier, the idea that, you know, the, the one advantage, at least, is that you could have a very, you know, your brand can have a very real conversation with your um, audience in a way, but you can continue that conversation as opposed to maybe exactly. a radio campaign or a exactly. TV campaign that, that addresses a need yeah. And then where where do they go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, if, if, um, as an example of South African truth, or, or you know, is um, I wrote a radio campaign um, about uh, two years ago um, for Careers Twenty Four, and what I did was is I decided to look back on kind of icons and nostalgia as a human truth. And, cool. I, and I chose um, Drummer Fela from, from Chicken and Nick, and it's good, good, goodies, goodies, nice. And uh, Raj 1 and Raj 2 from Corsa, um, Salsi Lady, et cetera, et cetera. Things that sit in, our, um, in, in the public lexicon, things that people remember. And they were, you know. The MTN guy, right at the beginning. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what I did yeah. is I used them as those characters, as ambassadors for Careers 24, giving them another job. Oh, wow. Um, so um, huh. the Salsi lady was back on radio again because of Careers 24. Jamal Fela huh. was back talking, you know, and things like... That's... Wow. Or, so there's... so, And what happens is, and my point to that is, is once you have the a beautiful, beautiful idea that's linked to a human truth like nostalgia that you can feel mm. in your chest before your head, what happens is, is then social media ignites. And then what happens is, is you've got... You've got people going, oh, that's amazing, and, and, and spreading it from a human point of view. It goes viral because people want it to, not because you've smashed things behind Facebook ads. Yeah. And so technology and, and, uh, the, um, and social media is infinitely more powerful once you have that human truth and that hmm. idea. Well, okay, that's a, a very interesting point. The question I would say then, from a strategy perspective, yes. how do you see? Well, how do you find like making incredible content, like the like the nostalgia idea mm. is is one of it, and it igniting is the perfect mm. scenario. But there's a there's a step in the middle where you have to figure out how to actually get it to all the right people. Yes. So how do you uh, how do you um, address that challenge? That's where I'd rely on my my um, big strategic brand partner Jonti where it's it's so very very important to work with a like-minded strategist who also believes in human truth. What I'm tr just getting at there is that like 5FM's listenership has yes. halved in yes. the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, television engagement it's still relevant but it, it's limited it, it has a, a limit so so when the big big campaigns ca ca you know the big platforms that you can mm. are, are having less and less yeah. power yeah how then do you disseminate something that is uh, I mean I'm just I don't know I'm yeah <laughs> well I mean basically what so the big channels yeah. like as you're saying where you launch your campaigns 
that that um, projects onto South Africans out there, onto consumer, onto right. people. So it, it it does. It announces. You've got to make sure that the idea there has has got enough in it. Mm. So when it does go down onto the, the various platforms, and let's face it, more than digital, it could be CRM mm. and, and it could be digital. It could be a whole bunch of things. What you've got to make sure that that the idea and the strategy is easy enough for people to talk about. And then you look at the, corre- the correct channels, mm. uh, the correct digital channels mm. as well. Because if you have an amazing idea that you use, for example, um, we, did, um, uh, we did the first Jack Daniels ad ever shot outside of America. So which, which one was it? It's the it was it's called Traveling Story. It was the one that's been on recently where a whole bunch of guys yes. talk about Jack's yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like winning the World Cup for us because you know we You know you're talking to the biggest Jack Daniels fan. Oh on, really? On Earth. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. No, then you must pop on over. <laughs> yeah. We did this thing because we knew that how you know, how do we get um how do we find a, a, a true link or or um resonance or relevance with with our market for an older kind of um, hard white man's brand. So, you know, and so we went down right into human truth. And I won't go into the strategy because it's, it's, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. But what happened there is we were able to we were able to do to to create some relevance. And on the TV ad, when we shot it, we made sure that there was a digital component in the TV ad that worked off of the same idea. Right. And what that was is it was a story. It's it's Jack's story in terms of told through the mouths of others. And in the ad itself, we hid the number seven in um, in in the in the the bar scene, in the uh, rooftop scene, in the recording studios, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Online. Through Twitter, through MobiSite, through Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, we ask people to find those sevens, like a Where's Wally type of thing. That's genius. So what happens is, is so, and and it's and I'm still kind of padding things out, but it's the way we think. So I don't necessarily have a name or a strategy. No, but for that, it I is. love what you're saying because what you, what you've said is what you've you know I've tried to uh, pull you apart from the moment you sat down and you've stuck to. Uh, what you said at the beginning, which I really love, the fact that all you've actually, it seems to me what you've done in that Jack Daniels strategy is just accommodate new media. So you haven't been confused or distracted by this medium. Mm. You've stayed on track with what works or what you know is working with your, your human truth. And you've just inserted an accommodation for, for that to work and I think that is, for me, that's blowing my brain quite, uh, th- quite a lot. I think that's you. very oh, yeah. a really cool way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing... Because some of the very ambitious digital projects that are really technology-driven are very mm. dangerous. And exactly. <laughs> when you get a digital brief or yeah. a TV brief, yeah. make sure you don't think of a digital execution or a TV execution. Right. So, so you know, make sure you think of the people you're talking to. Mm. Um, another example of how we've used um, Facebook, MobiSite, and Twitter for Jack Daniels is Jack Scouts. Now, Jack Scouts is yeah, yes. It's it's you know we 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 conceptualized it, we 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 created it, and it is um, dare I say an incredible success. Mm. Not only have we have um, have we um, introduced South Africans to the brands. Um, incredible musical history 
everything from Frank Sinatra to Rolling Stones, but we've given it relevance here. And how we've done that mm -hmm. is we've made sure that we have mentors like Jack was to, to his um, distillery workers. They have a social media presence. You send in your, uh, the Moby site allows you to upload your video or your music track. And you know, the best, most creative musicians in the country are going to look at those, choose those people mm. and impart knowledge in order to start their career. We don't want to give them a 10,000 Rand uh, uh, prize. What's that for? Mm. So um, Gigi Leman, um, who is a beautiful, talented girl who has recently, last year, won Jack Scott. Her career is kicking ass and chewing bubblegum. I'm incredibly proud that our little idea was able to facilitate that. That's mm. and and it was a social media idea. Right. It had it had hardly any above the line. It had a few radio stings to kind of uh, to to announce it to pro to to project it or to announce it into the ether, mm. and then it was completely digital. And the main thing was is because we are saying to people in an authentic, integrous way, we're not going to pay you for your following for your brand following. We are going to impart knowledge mm. so that this brand has helped you get somewhere. And that is it's about human truth. Leading the charge in digital future. You are listening to the Digital Caveman Podcast, brought to you by Thread. From that perspective, we're definitely in a very similar space. And one thing I really agree with you is that uh, we have a few projects on the go as well. And the Mashup is obviously the most well-known one. That the heart of it is uh, actually doing something that's going to make a difference. So what's so unique for me about the about um, our mashup project is that the brand, Sony, the brand associated to it, from the beginning bought into the idea that they're not going to brand the content, that they're not going to own the songs, that we put two of the biggest artists together, they drive the process, they choose what happens, the audience get unprecedented access, but they, the, even the music video and the song that comes out of it is unbranded and belongs to the artist. So we're actually benefiting the industry and it's not like, um, it's not the Sony Xperia yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the artist run with it. And, yeah. and there's a sort of a subtle thing that comes out of that because now uh, the brand have something to stand for in the human truth space, exactly, which exactly. is very, very cool. Exactly. Yeah. When a brand facilitates facilitates you achieving something that you you didn't think was possible and i'm not talking about reach for a dream yeah I'm, 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 <laughs> no i understand yeah i understand what you're saying when a brand is able to help you express yourself as an individual surely that builds far more brand equity than a, a promo or a prize or or even facebook likes I mean, the one thing that that um, I you know that I, I talk to my clients a lot about is you know we're doing we're chasing likes like nobody's business. I don't know what that means. Uh, it doesn't. It's actually stopped meaning anything. Yes. The, the latest Facebook algorithms have made likes completely obsolete. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, and I think I think it's also very very important um, to be um, honest in our industry. And I and and you know and I'll probably get drawn over the coals from this uh, over this but i think we need to be more honest so when when our clients say we're giving you this amount of money to get that amount of likes cool we could have done that six seven years ago mm. and there might have been a bit of a bit of traction but we can't do that anymore mm. and even if they insist 
it is up to us to go. You, are you aware of the um, of the inaction or, yeah. or or what? It's this reliance on impressions and likes exactly. to balance your ROI books, exactly. and they have no meaning in the real world. Exactly, you could spend that money and get less likes and more engagement exactly. over a longer period of time. Yeah, and have more. Yeah, and have a real conversation. And I'm, and yeah. have a real conversation. I mean, because I never forget um, a story. Um, Brian Saltrip, old advertising doyen from um, Help Start Ogilvy in this country. And he was he was at started Red and Yellow and I was at Red and Yellow, et cetera, right, right, et cetera, right, right. probably a few hundred years ago. And he um, spoke about a letter that was sent to him by a lady, a member of the public, after after he had done one of those beautiful VW ads. And it was a letter saying to him, thank you for doing that. Because, I mean, I know it's dramatic, because I wasn't going to make it. I was incredibly depressed um, and, you know, I I didn't have, I'm not going to say much to live for because it is advertising. Yeah. But what it did is it was just a ray of hope. It was just a ray of sunlight. Connected. It connected. Yeah. And it connected to the point where she took out a pen and wrote that letter. Mm. Now, um, that man has won so many awards. But, you know, he can't name them all. But the one thing he can do is verbatim remember that letter. Wow. You know, I've had things in, in my career where I've found beautiful ideas on human truths and I haven't respected them properly, been smacked on the ass. Um, I remember when I was um, a youngster working on the Dulux campaign, um, any color you can think of, and I... I conceptualized the Happy Sandana ad. Um, you are an advertising baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely. Do you remember that ad? Yes. And, and you know, I was like, I was this youngster. I was like, I think I was 20 or something. I can't remember. And I did this thing. And this poor boy, yeah. you know, the world had ignited over the story. The Yanks and the, and the, the Poms were calling him Tarzan. I was fucking disrespectful. Okay. And, and this boy, 16, uh, 16 years old, came forward to the police, uh, saw a missing poster in the police office of a little white boy that had been kidnapped 16 years ago, or whatever the case was. He said, that's me. And then the world ignited because he couldn't speak English. Uh, he could only speak his mother tongue. I remember, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so I did this ad of a black and white shot of this white boy and saying any color you can think of, you know, brown, white and, and black. And that was very insensitive of me, but it proved to me the, 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 the power of human truth. And if, and if, you, if you tap into the public lexicon and in, in what's, what's in their minds and their hearts, mm. you can literally ignite any platform. So that little ad made the New York and London Times. <laughs> um, it got the agency that, sued. That must have booked, um, that must have balanced the ROI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, valid. Exactly. <laughs> I think that yeah, it wasn't even likes in those days. Exactly. And and basically, what happened is is I got my bum smacked and and a community service and painted um, a few crashes out in the townships. And I deserve that because I didn't respect human truth. I used it to try and further my own kind of career and respect it. And I promise you, big learning lesson. Big big learning uh -huh. lesson. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What is the most exciting thing that you've seen out and about in in the advertising space at the moment? That's a very, very good question. I haven't been overly excited, I must be honest, um, about a lot of things that, that are out there. There's a few things that kind of have tugged on the heartstrings, ones that come to mind, and I think it's a, couple, a year or two old now, is 
in Dubai, um, the Coca-Cola phone boxes where uh, it was a vending machine and um, you buy a Coke, the cap on the bottle acts like a coin to phone Mumbai, your fam- to phone your family. That is amazing. So there, wow. are th- there are things like that that are really, really beautiful. I am very wow. aware of those type of things of, of being um, facades for awards. Yes. I would love if there but were still, hundreds of those machines. Right. If it was because then it would be real. Then it would be real. The, the authenticity is what is missing. Exactly. Is and yeah. we are in in this country and abroad, you know, we're masters of communication, so we can shoot the shit out of anything and make it look real. Mm. It's just I think we really need to make sure that it is real. Yeah. Cuz that is our responsibility to our clients. And if we are going to do great work. Yeah. Surely, even if it doesn't win an award and it has a massive impact, surely mm. that's better. Surely it's better to have a letter than an award. <laughs> True. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge day to day? My biggest challenge? Mm, my insecurity as a creative. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, what do you think is our biggest challenge? Uh, our <laughs> biggest challenge. Um, lucky I didn't mention my small <laughs> willy. The, um, the, our biggest challenge is in South Africa is to and and is to make sure that we use our privileged knowledge because let's face it there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, guys in our industry and all any industry in this country that have been priv- privileged enough to to learn and to create incredible work and i think it's up to us to facilitate that for the rest of our country uh, and and i also think that's the only way we're going to get a truly south african voice our south african voice at the moment is a mixture between eurocentricity and america and americana yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very very confused we are fucking creative people yeah. and we are damn funny and we are damn emotional and so I'm so excited to kind of learn through my youngsters in my agency um, things I don't know. And it's important for us to admit what we don't know. And, and so our biggest issue is not knowing who we are yet. Uh, let's concentrate more on that than anything else because the country needs it. Mm. I like that. So again, everything you've said is the same thing about being authentic. Yes. Let's, you know, and that's why I also said I'm very aware of rhetoric. What happens if we, if, if, if we show vulnerability and we want to learn, even if we've been in the industry for 17 years? Mm. What, what happens? At the very only good things. Only good things. At the very least, yeah. you find something new, and that's, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Kelly Putter? Great privilege to have you in the Digital Cave. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very, very much. This was the Digital Caveman Podcast. If you know any digital pioneers that you'd like for us to talk to or have any questions, mail us at digitalcaveman at thread.co.za and we'll get on them. If you'd like to make a comment or get in touch, find Thread on Facebook and give us a like. Thread-Digital Productions and Deployment. You think it's...